Amen. You may be seated. We are going to spend the next four Sundays before Lent begins in this last part of Ordinary Time uh, with Jonah. We're going to spend four weeks with the prophet Jonah, and I think it's going to be a great journey. You're going to really enjoy this, and I think it's going to be edifying, and I think together we'll learn some things from this, this great book about God. So a little bit of background on Jonah. It's good to have a little bit of kind of some of this in your mind as you begin a journey through a book like this. So you know what's going on. The first thing that's really unique about Jonah is he's one of the prophets. If you know your Bible, you know there's Isaiah through the end of the Old Testament. And that's where we put the book of the prophets in our Christian Bibles, in our Christian version of the Old Testament, the way we lay it out. And there are three major prophets. There's Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And there's a bunch of minor prophets. Jonah's one of them. But what's absolutely unique about Jonah is there's no prophecy from Jonah in the book. Not really. It's a story about a prophet, not a word from a prophet. Every other prophetic book has some narrative in it, but mostly they're, they're, they're words from the Lord for God's people. This is a story about a prophet. That's the first thing. Second, you might have picked up on this in the reading. He's not the best prophet. He doesn't have the best prophetic rep in the history of the prophetic ministry in the Old Testament. In fact, the only other place he's mentioned is in 2 Kings 14. And essentially, he tells the king of Israel, who, who other prophets are saying, Assyria is coming to get you. He says, oh no, your borders are going to expand. It's going to be great. So he's kind of one of those prophets that would rather let the king know something positive than something challenging. A temptation for every preacher, frankly. It's a story that is kind of like, it's, well, not kind of, it, it's, it's, it's an Old Testament ancient Hebrew satire. If you're not laughing a little bit when you read Jonah, you're not quite getting the vibe of Jonah. It's meant to make you funny. It's meant to make you laugh. I'll get to this in a minute, but you know, Jonah says, just throw me in the ocean. Of course, he's trying to get away from God by drowning. And what does God do? Oh, and a fish shows up. Go figure. You're supposed to laugh at that. He can't even get away from God in the depth of the ocean. Jonah um, is sent by God. Well, well, there's more I could say, but um, um, let, let, me, let, me, let me close this intro with this. This isn't a book about a fish. It's not even really a book about Jonah. It's a book about God. It's a book about God's power, about God's grace and, and his purposes, his heart, and how they will be fulfilled. And it's written in such a way that every reader is invited to look into this book as though it's a mirror, asking ourselves, do we believe in the God revealed in this book? Or are we like Jonah? We formally believe in that God. We kind of really don't want that God to be our God. So in chapter one, there's kind of three things that happen. There are three things God does. There is, first of all, a word from the Lord. Secondly, there's a storm from the Lord, and that's a really big part of the story, chapter one. And then a fish from the Lord. There are all these things that come from the Lord. So grab your handout and look at this. And by the way, um, I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible you normally read, 
bring it with you. If you have something you normally mark up and take notes in, bring it with you. If you read it on your phone, then bring that. But the handouts are nice, but they're not your Bible. And we're going to spend four weeks in Jonah. You might want to live with that and take some things back and write some stuff down and read on your own. I know, I know if, you, if you didn't used to be an Anglican, there's sort of a, like a piety, like, well, I don't bring my Bible to church. I don't have to. Listen, if that's the way you're thinking, stop it. Just bring your Bible. It's awesome. It's God's word. I got mine. You can bring yours. Bring it. And live in Jonah for the next four weeks. Okay, enough pastoral exhortation. Let's get to the text. So, I want you to read again with me, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. It was a great city. And it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was kind of the headquarters of the great empire of the day. And it was also Israel's enemy. In Amos and Hosea, there are already been prophetic words that Jonah knew if he was alive when they happened that said, Assyria is going to come and Assyria is going to basically attack Israel and many people are going to die and many people are going to be taken into exile. And so he thinks of Nineveh. When he hears Nineveh, he thinks, my enemies, they want to destroy me. Why would God want me to go to Nineveh? I don't want to go to Nineveh. Yuck. So he wants, God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. So this is really interesting. You see, you see the irony here? God's told Israel, I'm going to send the Assyrians against you. Then he raises a prophet and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. I just got to sit with that. Let me say this before I go on. Another thing I meant to mention in my intro. When, when you think about the Bible, um, I've, I've learned this recently. It's a great, it's a great phrase to, to get what the Bible is. Is The whole Bible, Old New Testament, is Hebrew meditation literature. So even though the New Testament is written in Greek, it's written by Jewish people who think in Hebraic forms in many ways. But the way the Bible is written, there are just lots of loose ends. There are lots of doors that aren't fully shut. There are lots of T's that aren't Christ and I's that aren't dotted. And you know why? Because you are invited to enter into it and be confronted by what's going on and wrestle with the tensions so that in those tensions, God will speak to you. Like, why would God send Assyria and tell Jonah to go preach to Assyria. Jonah's living in that tension. Verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Close quote. Now notice all that God says there. He says, I want you to go to them, and I want you to call out against them. That's really important to note that. That's all God says right there, right? He says, I want you to go to Nineveh and call it against them. And tell them because their evils come before me. Verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish. Three times Tarshish is mentioned. Away from the presence of the Lord. Two times away from the presence of the Lord is mentioned. Tarshish and away from the presence of the Lord are really important in verse 3. They're repeated. So, what's going on here? Jonah doesn't want to obey God, and he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. So he makes arrangements to get on a boat that's going to go to Tarshish. We don't know exactly where Tarshish is, but it's probably somewhere on the west coast of Spain. So in Jonah's time, that was the farthest away you could get and still be in the known world. And Tarshish was sort of a place of 
it, it, was a, it was a pagan city, meaning they didn't worship Yahweh, the true God. But it was kind of a paradise place. It was on the coast. You know, when, when Solomon built things, he got stuff from Tarshish. It was, it was a good place to go. And it was a Gentile city. Interesting question there. Why did he go to Tarshish? Was it just to get away from God? Maybe he thought to himself, I don't know, it doesn't say in the text, but I wonder, well, I'll just go to Tarshish and preach there. I mean, those people need God too, right? So I'll just go there. Right? And then, then all I'm doing God's will, right? Right? Maybe. I don't know. But he's going to try to get as far away from the presence of the Lord as he can get. Now, now when the text talks about presence of the Lord, in one sense, it does, I think, mean just God's presence everywhere. I think there's something more concrete here. I think it's the idea that, that Jonah knew that as long as he was, he was in Israel and doing God's will, he couldn't really ignore God. But if he'd go to Tarshish, where no one else followed the true God, and sort of get embedded in that culture and get away from God's people, he could just avoid God. He knew God was with him, but he's looking for a way to sort of shut God out. And avoid God. And not let God do business with him, I think. Either way, he's not going to go to Nineveh. Now, I'm going I'm to give you a spoiler. The text later tells us why he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And it's this. He's arguing with God. And he says, God, I knew if I preached to them, you would forgive them. I knew that. Now, how did you know that? All God said is go call out against them. He didn't say go and tell them that if they repent, they'll be forgiven. That's not even in the preaching he's commanded to do. But Jonah knew his Bible, and he knew what God was like, and he knew God is the kind of God who forgives. And Jonah didn't want them to get forgiven, obviously, because he went and preached, they'd encounter God, and they get forgiven. So he runs away from God. God brings a word. Jonah tries to escape. But, verse 4, a storm, a great storm. This is a really big, big storm. You know how we know that? The sailors are afraid. People who sail all the time in the ocean sail through storms. They're not afraid of most storms. They know how to manage and navigate them. But if sailors are afraid of a storm, this is a really, really bad storm. And so they're afraid, and they're, and they're sensitive to the spiritual realm, so that they go, this isn't just a normal storm. There's something wrong going on here. We've got to figure out what's going on. So they all begin to cry out to their own gods. Really important detail. Maybe they're each from different nations, different tribes. They each have their own kind of main god, and they cry out to their gods, and what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. So the captain, as you read, Goes looking for Jonah. And Jonah's fast asleep. And it's such a curious detail. The text is to say, was it that he was, you know, maybe, maybe he was like, I'm in the boat. I'm going to Joppa. Now my conscience is sort of settled. I'm just not bothered anymore. So I'll just crash out. Or maybe he just didn't care. Maybe he thought, well, maybe I'll just die in the ship and that'll help me avoid God. But they come to him. They come to him and they go, listen, wake up. Cry out to your God. And then they talk to him. Picking up at verse 7. They say, come let us, well first they cast lots. It says, come let us cast lots. That we may know on whose account the evils come upon us. So they cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. How would you like the lot to fall on you? 
What, what a terrible moment. Then they said to him, well, tell us on whose account this evil's come upon us. And Joseph said, and Jonah said, well, it's, 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 it's my fault. And they want to know who he is, where he's from. And he kind of confesses his faith. Verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. That's the translation of Yahweh, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So I worship the God who's in charge of all the oceans. He's Yahweh. That's who I'm a, I'm a, I'm a worshiper of God. Now, do you get the delicious irony right now in that very statement? This is the guy who God spoke to. He says, go to Nineveh. He says, no, I'm going to Tarshish. He gets kind of caught red-handed, being in trouble. He says, oh, I worship God. I'm a faithful Israelite. Yeah, right. That's what you're supposed to get from the story. Yeah, right. Then the men were afraid because he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And they say, what shall we do? And Jonah says, pick me up, throw me in the sea. Now, I think Jonah partially is thinking, if I drown, then I'm completely out of God's presence. I definitely don't have to do this. This will totally get me off the hook. <laughs> well, they hear that, and, you know, it, you, you probably picked up, this, picked up on this reading. They start out worshiping their gods. They talk to Jonah. Jonah says, throw him over it. But then they're nervous about doing something wrong, dishonoring the one true God. And then in a few moments, they start making offerings to God. You get the irony in that part of the story? Jonah's supposed to go to Nineveh so Nineveh can be saved. He tries to run away, and there's a bunch of Gentiles in his boat. And what happens? They all start worshiping the true God. So he can't get away. Even when he's trying to get away, God ends up working. And these Gentile sailors worship God. So they throw him in the sea. They, first, they, they, they try to row to shore because they're like, oh, we don't want his blood on our hands. But then that doesn't work. This, the ocean is too, too full of turmoil. They can't row into the shore. So they throw Jonah over and they make offerings to God. God is sovereign. Yeah, you, can, you can resist God's will that he commands you, but, but even if you never do that will, his purpose will get done. The scriptures are unashamed of telling us this. And the story tells us this. God's determined to get done what he wants done. He wants to use Jonah. And he's not giving up on Jonah. And he's even using Jonah's foolishness, disobedience, and sin to get done what he wants done. Gentiles. Not just Israel. Gentiles. Knowing the one true God. And he, 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 the story points us ahead to what's going to happen at Nineveh, but what happens with these sailors. So God has a word. There's a word from the Lord, and Jonah is running from it. Then there's a storm from the Lord, and Jonah thinks, this is it. I'll get thrown in the water. I'll get away from God. But then there is a fish from the Lord. Verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, that's, you're probably used to that. If you grew up in church, you saw the flannel graphs. Or you younger people probably saw videos and, and PowerPoints of the story of Jonah. 
there's probably a, oh, what's the, the cartoon thing with all the veg, veggie tales, probably veggie tales, I'm too old for veggie tales, probably veggie tales version. And it's all kind of funny, and, but we're so used to it that we forget that this is supposed to be funny. This is supposed to be goofy. Like he's sinking down in the ocean and he's drowning and he's getting away from God and then whoosh, a fish gets him and God appointed the fish. And even in the ocean, even when he's drowning, he can't escape God's presence. He wants to flee from the presence of the Lord. There's no escaping the presence of the Lord. Nada, never, nowhere. You can't do it. You can only try to shut him out and ignore him and avoid him, but you can never escape his presence. But his presence, when it shows up, is a presence for good, even for Jonah. If you know the story, you know he never gets convinced of that, but still even good for Jonah. So this ancient story, and this is just the first chapter, it's going to, it's going to unfold for four more chapters and, and get better. But even now, what are, some, what are some lessons that we're invited to ponder? Some questions maybe we're invited to ask as we read this text. Like, let me, I have three of them. One is this. Do you, do you have a Tarshish? Here's how I think Tarshish might function spiritually. It's kind of... It's the place I go to get away from God, but it's probably an attractive place because Tarshish was an attractive place to go. It might even be a religious place. It might be in the sense of like, well, because maybe Jonah went to Tarshish thinking, I'll go there and do ministry. You know, I'll kind of do God's will, but I'll still get to avoid God. It's kind of that place in our life that we look to other than God to meet our God needs. We all have them, don't we? I mean, only Jesus never had them. We all have them. Do you have a Tarshish in your life right now? Is there a place you're tempted to go to when you know God wants you to go to Nineveh instead? Jonah would say, it's not worth it. Go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. Second, is, is there a place in your life where you're trying to flee the presence of the Lord. Is there a place where, where you know God's with you? We, we, know, we, we believe in the omnipresence of God. It's a doctrine. You know, we, God is almighty. He's present everywhere. But in your own kind of soul, you sort of kind of don't want God to mess with you. That's, that's at the heart of think what's going on with Jonah. He really just, he's just I'm, good, I'm good being a prophet. I'm good being a Hebrew. I got my Hebrew identity. I got my worship, the one true God. I can confess my faith. But, but when push comes to shove, I really don't want you to deal with me, God. Is there, is there a place in your life like that? Maybe your whole life is like that? Maybe there's just a spot? I think Jonah would say, let it go. Drop the wall. Open the curtain. Let God in. Let him mess with you. In the short run, it may not be pleasurable, but in the long run, it'll be good. So where's your Tarshish? Are you fleeing from the presence of the Lord? And then on the opposite end, do you have a Nineveh? 
Is there Nineveh God's calling you to? A place where you know he's inviting you into. Maybe it's a deeper place in Christ, but it's a challenge place. Maybe it's a place that you think, I don't want to go, but I know God wants me to go. It, it could be the place of forgiveness. Maybe there's someone or some ones in your life that you find almost impossible in your own power to forgive. Well, what God would say is receive his grace and forgive. Forgiveness actually creates a barrier between us and God. You just can't walk with God as long as that's in your life. You've got to let go of it. That could be one end of it. It could be maybe, maybe, maybe a sin you fall in love with that you know is wrong, but, but it's kind of yours between you and God, and you know you, you need to let go of it, and, and, and maybe you need help letting go of it. But, but you first in your heart need to release it. And God's saying, I want you to release that. I want you to go to the end of it. I want you to do my will. Maybe that's your Nineveh. I don't know. The Holy Spirit can, can stir your own heart and speak to you. I can't do that. But this story, I think, would invite us to ask those and maybe other questions. To what degree am I like Jonah? To what degree am I not like Jonah? And then surrender my Jonah part to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great story. There's so much, we just, we just scratched the surface, literally. So much more we could talk about. But like all of your word, it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce to the souls and our hearts. Thank you for speaking to us. Let this word not return to you void, but let it do its work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and profess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.